We're talking Minnesota Vikings on a Friday. Sam Ekstrom and Luke Inman in today on the Ron Johnson Show. Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson going back and forth about who's the best. Is this the year that we have a verdict? That's coming up next on Locked on Sports Minnesota. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One of a kind opinions, big name guests, the teams you care about every 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 day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Well, usually on Fridays we have a roundtable. We have Care Eleven's Reggie Wilson. We've got Ron Johnson, the name of this show. We got no Reggie. We got no Ron. So Superior Sports Talks, Luke Inman joins myself, Sam Ekstrom, and we're going to talk Vikings for the next half hour in lieu of the traditional roundtable. Luke, what you got, man? Hey, first of all, TGIF, happy Friday. Hope you got some good weekend plans here. I'm heading out to Brookings, South Dakota to go see the parents. Can't wait to go do that. Try to swing my new golf clubs that I got last week. Beauty. But you're right. It's down to the final two. I feel like I'm on Survivor here, Sam, and there's two torches left battling out for that million bucks. The tribe has spoken. Well, we're down to two in the uh, best receiver in the league conversation. I don't know if that's actually true, but that's what they're making it. Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson have gone back and forth a little bit. Now, Jefferson has not been shy, Luke Inman, about declaring that he wants to be considered the best. And he insinuated that he is above Cooper Cup in that conversation. Uh, Cooper Cup was asked about it. Cooper Cup said, I respectfully disagree. So uh, this is not a feud. This is not a brouhaha, but um, some friendly words being exchanged about who is the best. Now, Cooper Cup is a triple crown winner. I mean, I think he's got to be knocked off the perch for sure. But now, Luke, Justin Jefferson is in the Cooper Cup system. They are both in the same offensive system. So does that mean that now that now that that is the case, no more you know defense first, no more run first Vikings. We've got pass first Kevin O'Connell Vikings here. Will the verdict be decided on this issue this season now that they're both operating from the same offense? Yeah, I mean, fun question to tackle for sure. But what are we talking about really here, Sam, at the end of the day? We're talking about the two best wide receivers in the National Football League as we sit here today. So I think we're splitting hairs. There's a case to be made for either one, though. I think because of what he did last year, you mentioned it, and the numbers he put up, most people would give the edge to Cooper Cup in that what-have-you-done-for-me-lately mindset. Like, it's hard to argue against a triple crown winner, no matter who you're stacking him next to, even next to JJ's record-breaking numbers through his first two seasons. But I will say, if you asked 100 people, if you were building a team from scratch for the next 15 years— who would you rather draft, Cooper Cup or Justin Jefferson? I think you'd be surprised how many people lean J.J. Because not only of his age, but more so his athletic ability, that catch radius. Those are things that you can't teach. And the fact that we know he's still honing his craft and just now scratching the surface. Right now, Cup has the route running. That's for sure. But that's something with time. J.J. has at least the opportunity to learn and develop. But Cup's arms and his length, you know, his physical attributes aren't going to magically grow. He isn't going to suddenly turn his 4-6-2-40 into JJ's 4-4-3. You know what I mean? So I will say this. 
you get to a point as an athlete where physically you're at your peak and it's hard to keep advancing athletically. And then it becomes who can become a student of the game quicker? Who can understand the nuances and intricacies of the NFL of your specific position of what the other 10 guys on offense are doing, what the defense is doing on any given down or distance and look or disguise that they're in film and experience are the only two ways that you do that. And I will say you'll be hard-pressed to find a guy who works on the film more than Cup over the last five years. And that's not to say J.J. doesn't, but it's so clear when you watch Cup, when you listen to him, how he got to the level he's at. Because it's not just physical tools. It's understanding the details of the game and position like he does. And that starts in the classroom and in the film room. And that's a huge reason for Cooper Cup's success so far in the league. And I certainly... I think J.J. has every opportunity to go do that as well, but he needs to go out there and prove it on and off the field over these next few seasons. And when and if he does that, I think he will surpass Cup and be hands down the best wideout in the NFL. you got to remember, Cup's 29 years old already. He came out of the 2017 draft. He was 24 years old at the time, so a little bit older for a prospect coming out of the draft. He's got five years under his belt. I want to see what J.J. can do as a student of the game these next few seasons under an offensive mind like Kevin O'Connell and his playbook because I think with his physical tools, sky's the limit. And in two, three years, we'll be sitting here saying J.J. is without a doubt the best wideout in the game today. Yeah, if the argument is who's the best receiver, you can give it to Cup. You can give it to Adams for right now. But I think the answer to the question, who would you rather have for the next five years? It's Justin Jefferson, 10 out of 10. You said it, Cup is 29. And he had what you would call an outlier season. He hadn't had a 1,000-yard season until last year. You know who else didn't have a 1,000-yard season until their fifth year? Devontae Adams. Mm. Took five years to have a 1,000-yard season. And now people think that he's number one in the NFL in a lot of rankings. He's also 29. So for the next five years, Justin Jefferson can collect 1,000-yard seasons. He could have, he could in theory have 5,000-yard seasons by the time Cup and Adams had won. And you know what? After five seasons, Jefferson will be, what, 26? Hmm. I mean, think about the trajectory that he's on compared to Adams or Cup. They were late bloomers in this league. I don't think anybody was considering Adams – uh, a potential number one after two or three seasons. Same for Cup. Cup was a complimentary piece. I watched his his stats every single game. He was one of my my dynasty league fantasy darlings as like the Rams sort of backup receiver. Um, unfortunately, he's not on the team anymore. Didn't get to to reap the benefits of last year, but I'm not bitter about that at all. No, but of I think not. not. Yeah, no, I I think Luke that I mean what it's really about is is just framing the question. Who was the best last year? Cup. Who is the best bet going forward? Jefferson, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that's funny, too, when you look back, it wasn't long ago, Julio Jones, A.J. Green, Antonio Brown, they were the cream of the crop in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's an observation and a note to make to see how quickly, even at the wide receiver position, some of these guys can fall off in the NFL, how small their window is. So Cup, I don't imagine, is going to fall off anytime soon. But again, at 29 years old, Devontae Adams at 29 years old, 
it's realistic to think that, you know, maybe their prime and peak only has a two, three year window left to play at the high level that they're playing at. JJ, we're not even at his peak yet. We haven't even seen what he can do as far as when he puts it all together again and starts to become a student of the game inside this new Kevin O'Connell offense. So it'll be interesting to look back and review and see which receivers kind of held up over their prime and over their careers as the top receivers as they got up in their 20s and early 30s and which receivers again don't have that quite longevity that they can do it for six seven eight nine years hopefully that's the case with JJ again coming in the league at just 21 years old hopefully he again just the trajectory he's on seems like he's still scratching the surface yeah you ask me who I'm drafting for the future the now today and tomorrow I'm drafting JJ 10 out of 10 times I've got another wide receiver talker for you, but first a word from betonline.net. I touted the Jaguars plus two and a half after checking the line last night, and they did not pay off for me. But that's all right. Back at it uh, once the preseason continues. I'm checking the lines at betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check on all your betting needs. They got about a zillion NFL lines for the upcoming season. They've also got NHL uh, NBA, esports, golf, combat sports, whatever you can imagine. They're your top online resource, and they're available on your mobile device. Get all the info you need about the action happening today. Bet online where the game starts. There's another wide receiver on this Vikings roster that's getting a lot of love. And yes, Adam Thielen, he's getting love too. But KJ Osborne, who I'm thinking of specifically, big feature on him in the Star Tribune yesterday. K.J. Osborne's having another really good camp. I would argue probably second best amongst the receivers behind Justin Jefferson, and he is trying to make that leap from a really good second year to an even bigger third year. Uh, what is K.J. Osborne's ceiling, Luke, keeping in mind that you got more three wide receiver sets, uh, you got a more pass-happy offense, and you've just got another year of seasoning under K.J.'s belt. Um, what are your thoughts on what, what he could accomplish under Kevin O'Connell. You know, it's rare to throw these kind of numbers out for a third wide receiver in any offense, but given what we saw last year, 50 catches, 800 yards, seven touchdowns, given what we've seen thus far from him in camp, only getting better and showing improvement, and given what we know about KOC's heavy 11 personnel, meaning he's going to be on the field more and more and get even more opportunities than he did last year. Osborne even just came out just the last day or two and said, hey, we're running a lot of 11 personnel. You're going to see a lot of three wide receivers on the field, and, and, and including myself, I'm going to be out there a lot, which means he's going to have a lot of targets and opportunities. I think it's fair to say he could realistically eclipse the four-digit mark, and get into that 1,000-yard category, that wouldn't surprise me in the least bit. And especially when you think about, hey, what if Thielen, who's been known to miss some time, or even J.J. misses a game or two for that matter, were to ever miss any time, he'll jump right in with the starters and get even more opportunities. So, yeah, I'm very encouraged from his camp thus far. I think fans should buckle up for the next coming of the Vikings three deep campaign where you could see three wideouts eclipse the thousand yard clip since Moss Carter. And of course, Jake Reed back in 98. They've got a good like Jersey number thing going on the 17, 18, 19. I mean, can't you see that across the poster? It's like sequentially you got 17 on the left, 
You got Jefferson. He's the star. He's in the middle, so he's front and center. And then Thielen, his his right-hand man, number 19, to his right. I think you got some potential there, Luke, for a marketing campaign. Um, I, I will say, too, just real quick to add on to KJ. Yep. Drafting, what, fifth? Sixth round coming out fifth. of Miami? Yes. Maybe a, a punt return, kick return kind of guy or specialist. Yeah. But Struggled I Struggled as a punt they, returner as a rookie, too. He, he did, yeah. And, and even after that first year, I'm not going to lie to you, Sam. I'll call it out when I have to. Huge swing and miss by myself. I thought when these two guys went into camp, KJ and Ola B.C. Johnson, everything I saw from camp, everything I saw from the film, everything I heard from coaches, I saw on the depth chart, Ola B.C. Johnson's going to be the man. He's going to win this job outright. Ola B.C., solid as that kind of security blanket and third wide receiver for the time being with Kirk Cousins. But as soon as he went down, give props to K.J., and I talked about it quite a bit this last week. And what you saw from year one to year two, the improvement, the leap he made in the development and progressing from year one to year two was outstanding. It was something that I never saw coming. I didn't even know if he was going to make the final 53, let alone be a contributor like he was, both on special teams and in the actual offense itself as that wide receiver three, ultra productive. I just never saw this kind of production. Being a draft guy, watching some films, studying the mock drafts, what have you, I never saw this kind of production coming from this guy from what I saw Miami coming out of college so props to him outstanding kind of story uh little underdog story the guy who plays with a chip on his shoulder but yeah I think high expectations now are kind of the new bar for him after what he did last year what we've seen from camp and then again now with KOC's 11 personnel heavy set I think it's fair to say again I got four digits I got a thousand yards I'm expecting from him I think is very realistic Dang, that's big time. That's yep. big time. And and definitely, if he's filling in for any injury time, I think that does become more realistic, too. And it helped him, too, to train with Landry and Jefferson mm -hmm. and Diggs last, last summer. That helped him take the next step. And Kirk Cousins made a great point in his press conference this week. He said, you know what? Early in the season last year, we had a bunch of those two-minute drills in the Cincinnati game and the Arizona game, and KJ kept showing up. Because we weren't scheming anything. We didn't have a plan to go to JJ or Thielen like we often do. We were just letting the plays develop because we were in hurry-up mode. And KJ was the one getting open because he's got that quick area, uh, short area speed. And that's kind of when they realized we've got something here in this KJ kid. And he was one of the clutcher Vikings pass catchers last year. Constantly making those hurry-up Catches along the sideline, little uh, slant routes over the middle for first downs. Had that deep ball in the Pittsburgh game when they needed it. Uh, he came up large last season, so I think he's only going to get better, and he's still a young guy too. The unfortunate thing with KJ, and this is down the road, but you know, with all of the big salaries they have and Justin Jefferson's salary, you wonder if KJ can be afforded two years down the road, or maybe at that point, maybe Thielen's out the door, maybe KJ steps in for Thielen. It just takes that salary that Thielen's making. So I think a bright future ahead for KJ Osborne. That's my guy. I want to pivot on defense here, Luke. Uh, former Vikings signed by the Dallas Cowboys two days ago. Anthony Barr. $2 million. One-year contract. You surprised at the, the dollar figure that it took to sign Barr? And knowing that dollar figure, did the Vikings make a mistake letting him walk? 
I'll say this. Uh, first off, big props to Anthony Barr. Everything he did here in Minnesota, 2014 top 10 draft pick, Mike Zimmer's baby, right? His very first draft pick mm-hmm. as an NFL head coach. You certainly look back at that draft pick and call it a hit, right? I mean, the body of work, what he was able to do on defense, even though they did pass on Aaron Donald. So that's always going to sting, but so did 12 other teams. But what Barr was able to do under Zimmer to the point, he was able to create a very specific and unique role for him as that joker, wild card piece he could move all around the front seven. That was pivotal for their success in that scheme and and did wonders for him and the defense for a lot of years. Having said that, I do think that it was, that was the old Anthony Barr. Right, I mean, that was peak bar in his prime in that 2017 all-time record-setting defense. You saw as time went on, he was unable to stay on the field, go through injury after injury, his body wore down. We all know the lifespan of an NFL player is a very small window to begin with. So to get the body of work that they did get out of him and maximize, again, Zimmer uh, really honed in on that unique skill set. That was great, but these last few years, I think it was obvious, his athletic ability started to fall off a little bit, and those injuries started to mount up, take a toll on his body. And if you're playing linebacker in this league, you can't be afraid to go full speed and knock somebody on their back. So many great splash plays from Anthony Barr. I'm not going to sit here and go through them all, so I don't want people to think I'm just cherry-picking the bad ones, but Cowboys game last year. Two minutes left in the game. Cowboys offense marching. You've got Zeke Elliott behind the chains on a dump off. Third and long. You can't wrap up and make the tackle. Fresh set of downs. Cowboys go on to score and win the game. I just didn't see that same edge and explosion with him that final year or two. Now, that's not to say he can't come out with the Cowboys with a new chip on his shoulder and be fully healed and healthy for the first time in years. But I think Barr's prime is come and gone. And that's why you saw him sit out in free agency for so long and now sign, I think, is a pretty low $2 million deal. I don't know about you, at least from what we're seeing from Anthony Barr. I really hope the best for him. I, I hope he goes out mm-hmm. there and has another Pro Bowl season. But I think the front office, uh, I think the front office absolutely made the right move here. Fresh start for both parties, and change of scenery was needed. More youth needed to be injected into the Vikings linebacker core, and you're going to see that now with guys like Brian Asamoa and now Troy Dye, who's taking some first team reps, and they try to bring those guys along next to the Jordan Hicks and the Eric Kendricks. So yeah, incredible eight years with the Vikes. Almost what I think I looked it up: 98 games almost 100 games played, nearly 500 tackles, almost 20 sacks. But I think a fresh start was definitely the right move. Yeah, I think you're right on that too. Um, Isn't it weird how we think about athletes getting quote-unquote old? Anthony Barr is the same age as me. Mm -hmm. But I I think of myself still pretty young, still on like the front end of life. You're a spring chicken. We we talk about Anthony Barr like he's he's literally going to like head to the nursing home. Cash in some social security checks here pretty quick. I mean, yeah, like I mean, is he on is he on Medicaid? Like, can we get the guy, you know, into can we get him some care, some in home care? He's at the forty two yard line with the life alert button. (laughs) Shug. Shug. Zeke Elliott running at me. Because everyone's so concerned about the knee, and I think that that's that's a factor, and that played into why last year he didn't quite look the same. Only played eleven games. Tail of the tape, though, if you're a PFF guy, of the of all the linebackers that had seven hundred fifty snaps, he was thirteenth. 
I mean, he graded out actually pretty well last year. And I know he's not he's not guarding tight ends as well as he used to. He's got a tough time in coverage against running backs, and that's kind of a necessity in today's NFL. I also think that he's not coming back to Minnesota to be a backup. And in that outside linebacker role, they've got their guys. They've got Hunter. They've got Zadarius Smith. And you'd rather have Zadarius Smith at this stage than Anthony Barr. So is he going to come back under a different staff, have to learn and like kind of gain favor with a new head coach, a new defensive coordinator to be a backup after he was a star, a first round pick for eight years? No. Yeah. No. And, and, and to sense. that point too, Sam, good point there. I actually thought with the way his kind of explosion and athletic ability kind of, you know, digressed a little bit those last year or two, as much as we always talked about Anthony Barr would be great on the outside in a 3-4, I actually saw him more as an inside linebacker in mm. this new Ed Donatel 3-4 if they were to bring him back. It's going to be interesting to see how they use him in Dallas. I know Micah Parsons, I mean, yeah, he's listed as a linebacker, but he's pretty much a defensive end or an edge guy. Maybe he's the backup in that role. I know they also got Leighton Vander Esch, a former first-rounder. Anthony Brown's their other starter. Jabril Cox from LSU. He's their big backup. He was a rookie last year, went down with injury. They're excited to get him back. So you got five guys there. I'm interested to see how they use Anthony Barr because it's not like, again, when Zimmer had him in his prime, that 2017 year and so on, that he etched out a specific role. He carved out this unique role for Anthony Barr. Uh, he's not going to get that kind of treatment anymore, especially not in Dallas, but they do play a 4-3. I'm just interested to see how they use him and line him up. Maybe they want Micah Parsons, who's listed as a linebacker, with his hand in the dirt, playing as an edge in a, in a defensive end type of pass rushing role, and Anthony Barr is more of your stand-up linebacker. I'm just curious to see how all that plays out. I'm sure we'll find that that out maybe a little bit during preseason but probably not until the first few weeks of the actual regular season when we see him lined up and the Cowboys start to you know unveil and unleash their defensive game plan Micah Parsons had 67 pressures last year that's I noticed insane. that looking at linebacker stats that's Daniil Hunter like I mean that's crazy productive <clears throat> what a draft pick too by Dallas I know well, that a lot Pete go ahead I was just going to say, as a draft guy, remember the thing with him, he was supposed to be in that five to seven range from just a pure talent standpoint. But because the way the NFL's played now, they kind of undervalue the linebacker position when it comes to the mm -hmm. draft. N'Kobe Dean, stud linebacker from Georgia. Injury concerns, yeah, but no way he should have fell to the third round. Um, the, Devin Lloyd from uh, uh, Utah, stud linebacker. Falls a little bit to the Jaguars. They get good value. So I think the NFL slipped up on this one, and they didn't view him as more of a pass rusher because that's what teams value so much. That's why Aiden Hutchinson and Trevon Walker went one and two. That's why Thibodeau went in the top five. That's why the first, what, five picks were all defensive players because they value two things, premier pass rushers and elite coverage cornerbacks because it's a passing league now. Micah Parsons, I think, too many teams looked at him as just a stand-up linebacker. Dallas was smart in not only drafting him and getting good value in, what, the early early teens, I think, maybe 12 or 13, somewhere in there, yeah. but actually utilizing his pass rushing skills and not just keeping him standing up as just a stand-up, you know, outside 4-3 linebacker. So double props to the Cowboys for not just drafting him, but maximizing his skill set in a big way, too. And Trevon Walker, who you mentioned, got a sack last night for the Jaguars in the Hall of Fame game. Uh, got delayed, what, an hour and a half? Started almost 9 o'clock local time. 
So you had to stay up late if you wanted to see Kyle Sloter, who went 13 of 25 with a touchdown for the Jaguars. I thought he was going to lead them single-handedly to a, to a good cover there. If you're uh, looking at the lines, our good folks at Bet Online, didn't happen. Raiders win 27 to 11. Luke, I mean, first of all, did you catch a second of this game? I'll be honest, I didn't. That it doesn't really compel me uh, when I when I watching other teams in the preseason play their backups, but uh, some people get into that. Are, are you one of those people? Uh, you know, I love that football's back. First time you see the bright lights on prime time. I like to watch a lot of these rookies from the draft class get a few reps. Trevor Lawrence, what's he's going to look like with Doug Peterson now. I saw Devontae Adams played almost a full first half. No catches, no targets, no yards. Um, I didn't catch one second of this one, though. No, I didn't, Sam. And, you know, it's great to have football back. But, um, you know, when it comes to some of these preseason games, especially the first two, I think, uh, the one where they don't play, again, the starters into, I think, the second half. Tough to really glean too much information until you start to get into those really tight depth chart battles, those training camp battles, those guys fighting for the final 53-man roster to really glean much info on. So, yeah, didn't uh, didn't catch much of this one at all. But uh, I'm sure we'll see some highlights as the, uh, you know, the next few days progress on Twitter and ESPN, NFL Network, things like that. Yeah, I saw Amir Abdullah actually get in the end zone for the Raiders. That's First what's touchdown fun. of to the see, season, yeah. Yeah, to see what, where, how many guys are still in the league that you kind of forgot about. Tease Tabor, cornerback from Florida, kind of a bust top 50 draft pick. Saw him out there. Amir Abdullah, former Viking. Yeah, to see some of those guys, that is the one thing that is kind of fun to watch some of these other teams play. You kind of forget about some guys and where they ended up. Yeah, so Luke, the the new wave of coaches tend to take it really easy on their starters in the yeah. preseason, oftentimes playing them zero snaps. What do you want Kevin O'Connell to do with his preseason approach? What do you think he will do? I mean, ideally, how how, how much is Kirk Cousins going to play? How much is Justin Jefferson going to play, if at all, in your mind? I, I can't imagine much, at least not this first game. Um, if you had to make me pick, I'd say maybe two series, maybe, maybe just one. I'd love to get them some real reps in this new Kevin O'Connell offense and scheme and, and playbook. But I think this first game, I think especially practice is really where you go hone your craft. I think these preseason games, I think it was even Aaron Rodgers came out and said, I think the practices are more important than the preseason games, especially for an offensive point of view, because a lot of times the defense, at least the starters, the guys that you're going to ultimately play in the regular season, aren't going full steam. They're not tackling and wrapping up as well as they're used to be, you know, uh, showing and, and the effort isn't quite there. So I think maybe one to two series for the starters. And I think when you look at the Vikings roster too, it makes sense because when you look at the starters, we talked about it all offseason, outside of right guard, and what we want to be a center battle position doesn't feel like there is one. And maybe that third defensive lineman spots with Armin Watts. Maybe it's James Lynch giving him a little run for his money, Jalen Twyman. But outside of the starters and maybe one or two positions, there's not really much uh, competition or battles going on. So I think they want to see a lot more of the second and third team where a lot of these rookies and young guys can get a lot more reps and start to really try to pinpoint their depth charts here after seeing them get some real game reps against some higher level, level competition. So I don't expect much, maybe a series or two at most, at least not this first game, maybe the second or third preseason game, you get that full run where you get the first half and maybe even going into the second half into the third quarter. 
Yeah, on one hand, I think new scheme, mm -hmm. probably want to get some work. But I think overriding that is a feeling of wanting to build out your depth and to really see what you have in some of these backups. I want to see a lot of Andrew Booth Jr., Lewis Seen, Ed Ingram. And I hate it when like, like valuable backups or prospects only get one quarter in preseason games. That's kind of the way it used to be. I think we're moving away from that, giving them more time instead of less. I want to see them really get in a rhythm because a lot of times in such a short span of a game, you don't get you don't get any reps your way if you're a defensive back or maybe you don't get a chance to really, you know, pass protect too much if you're an offensive lineman. I want to see those guys for for two, three quarters and and be able to to make an evaluation on them, like once the bullets start flying. And then I think that, you know, helps inform what your depth is gonna be on this team. I'd much rather see that than like you know, the courtesy quarter for the starters where you're just going to be vanilla. I don't really need to see Cousins too much. Um, I don't need to see Jefferson. I just think the risk outweighs the reward in that case. And I'm coming around on that philosophy more and more. And as the preseason gets more and more developmental and boring, you know, I, I can see why the NFL is trying to reduce it. Mm -hmm. And I think probably in the next few years, moving down to two preseason games and adding an 18th game to the regular season, it, it, it feels like it's inevitably going to go that way. No, you're absolutely right. I, I think it's not a matter of if, but when. And I also think you're right. Again, touching back, I think the real story here for the coaches is, is dissecting these second and third team guys. How many times do we bring up this 2021 class that we just don't know anything about? I want to see Chaz Surratt out, uh, out there at linebacker, hybrid safety in the box from North Carolina for two, three quarters. I want to see Patrick Jones. I want to see Wyatt Davis. I want to see some of those guys get some real reps. Kellen Mond, we talk about all the time starters pretty much locked up like we mentioned but the second and third team guys you got a lot of young guys between last year's class and this year's class there's so much 20 players that we still don't know a ton about this is an opportunity for you to glean a lot more information about all right that's a good litmus test where are they really at here now that they're not going against the same competition that they face every day so that's what I'm definitely interested for sure Sam Ekstrom in for Ron Johnson, Luke Inman riding shotgun today. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast, the Locked On Sports Minnesota feed. You can also get the YouTube content, Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube. Check out Superior Sports Talk. That's Luke's show daily with Reggie Wilson and the Minnesota football party with Arif Hassan and Luke Braun and Luke Inman. Mondays and Thursdays on Locked On Sports Minnesota on Twitter at Locked On M-I-N. Luke have a good weekend, brother. We'll see you next week. Sounds good, Sam. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. I'm Sam Ekstrom saying so long and have an excellent weekend from us here at Locked On Sports, Minnesota.